Right, everybody hear me in the back row? Good, alright. Okay, I thought I would start with a, a little story. Um, a preacher's going to preach a message in a church and uh, they ask him to do the children's talk first. And he thinks he'll soften them up a little bit. And he says, okay, uh, so children, um, what's a small brown furry climbs trees and hides nuts in its cheek? And there's dead silence among the children. And finally, one of them slowly raises their hand and says, uh, Please, sir, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> All right. Let's just pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the answer. You are the answer to uh, everything in our life, uh, everything that our reason for being. I pray you be here today. I pray you touch our hearts and... Uh, that our hearts will be open to hear you. Amen. Right. Imagine for a moment that you're one of Jesus' Jesus' disciples. You see crowds of people coming to see Jesus, and Jesus decides to withdraw a little. He goes up on the mountainside. Uh, We think this is somewhere in the hill country to the west and the north of the Sea of Galilee. He invites you to come sit with him. And he starts to teach you and the, and the other disciples uh, in what we now know, what we now call the Sermon on the Mount, which is the bit just preceding and through the passages where we're reading at the moment. He starts really poetically, okay? Most of you will know this passage. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, for they will see God, Okay? You are the salt of the earth, you are light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may glorify God in heaven. It's a nice poetic language. Then it gets serious, and the passage that Adeline just read for us, um, I haven't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. Unless your righteousness is greater uh, than the righteousness of the legal experts and the the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it says you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is starting to sound a little bit heavy. Um, uh, and it's only going to get heavier. <laughs> so let's read today's passage. Uh, who's got the Cohen? Are you the, you the man? Isn't working. Isn't working. Uh, Maybe. Let's start it here. Okay. Matthew 5.21. Okay, right, so reading from Matthew chapter 5, from verse 21. This is the bit that just precedes Brandon's talk from last week. Okay, you have heard it said to those that lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. You still doing that? Okay. Uh, Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge, 
The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown in prison. I say to you, in all seriousness, that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Who can possibly live up to this? This is tough. This is not the warm, fluffy Jesus of the Christmas story we had last month. Uh, this sounds more like the old headmaster. Do you guys have that term over here? Headmaster? School principal? Yeah, so you have the concept right there. The one with the big stick saying, you bad person. This is, this is sounding pretty heavy. Um, there's a contrast here about the old or prior law and Jesus' new or extended or fulfilled law. Now the old law uh, was a line in the sand. This is what Brandon was saying last week. The old law says there's a line in the sand. If you're on the good side, you're okay. If you're on the bad side, you're not. Um, uh, uh, And so the way that you live is you try to avoid crossing the line, right? You try to stay on the good side. Now the new law, the problem is the line in the sand has moved so far that we can't stay on the right side of it. It's just too hard. And the penalties are so much higher. In the old law, you cross the line, you murder someone, you get all before the judge. Okay, that's understandable. In the new law, you call someone a fool, not something that you would normally never get arrested for, and you risk eternal hellfire. Okay, what's Jesus saying here? You normally wouldn't be called before a judge for calling someone an idiot, yet Jesus says that it's worse. He says it's so serious that if you're about to make your sacrifice at the temple, Stop, leave your animal there, travel 80 miles back to Galilee. Remember, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount in Galilee. So 80 miles back to Galilee, make up with them, travel all the way back to Jerusalem. It's about a week's travel to offer your sacrifice. That's how serious he's saying um, deception and, um, and uh, falling out with your, your brother or sister is. So why does Jesus care so much about this topic? Does it really matter if I get angry with someone? Well, anger leads to judgment, judgment of others. You are a fool. I'm judging you. You're a fool. We judge them. We show them uh, contempt. We actually condemn them to never, uh, condemn them in our own minds, to never be able to, uh, to change. We curse them. You'll never be a good father. You'll never make a good wife. We say... In our hearts, we say, you're done, finished. You're dead to me. We're killing you one cut at a time. Now, God put anger in us for good purposes, okay, as a stand against injustice. Our hearts were meant to be angry, to oppose anything that stands against the beauty of God and against God's will. But we turned it into a sinful thing, okay? To oppose anything that stands against our will. And so this is idolatry. This is where we're placing ourselves ahead of God. So what my will, what I want, we're placing that in front of God. Our core problem is also our core calling. Okay? And so um, if we're truly honest, it's much, much more often about our will and much less often about injustice when we get angry. 
And I, I want to be very clear about this. I don't want you trying to decide every time you're angry. Is, it, is this an injustice or is this my feelings hurt, okay? That's back to this line in the sand business. I'm trying to decide, am I, am I okay to be angry here and not okay to be angry there? That's, that's what Jesus talked about, the old law, okay? Um, your anger is most likely to be a mix of injustice and hurt feelings, okay? And so try drawing a line through that. You can't. Um, rather, ask yourself, am I seeing the other person the way that Jesus is seeing them? Am I judging them or am I loving them? So this is, this is a very tough call for us. Um, I was trying to think about this, how an example of how this might play out in my life. Um, I have a daughter, uh, 17. She's in her final year of high school in New Zealand. They start just now. Because <laughs> um, we're half a year out of step with you. Um, I would like her to get a career uh, in something that's going to pay her good money. You know, a career that can be self-sustaining. I'd like her to study engineering or computing or medicine or something like that. She's certainly smart enough, very clever girl, but she wants to study music. Really? What sort of career are you going to have with music? Now, she's actually a really good musician, okay? And she might make a really good career of it, but me trying to force her down a road of my choosing is not about her, it's about me. And uh, my fears, my hopes, my dreams. And it's really about my idolatry of putting my stuff first uh, ahead of what's best for her. And really all conflict on this earth is due to this idolatry, which ultimately turns to murder. Right, let's think about why we get angry and judgmental and contemptuous. Are we just bad people? Do we just wake up one day and decide, I hate people, I really don't like people, just sick of people. No, we didn't arrive at that place um, in a vacuum. When we were born, um, our little hearts were born whole and very tender and very pure. But as we grow and as we get older, life starts to work on us. Our hearts get broken, sometimes a little bit at a time, sometimes in great tearing smashing events like death and divorce and things like that. And so out of this brokenness comes pain. And out of pain comes anger. And in our anger, we lash out. And we try to solve our pain ourselves by making it other people's issue. You hurt me. You left me. You don't love me. You're bad. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to love you uh, at all anymore. You know, you're done with me. Take that. The Bible says trying to solve our pain, our sin, our, our um, stuff ourselves without God is sin. Now, we'll come back to that in just a little bit. I want to take a little sidetrack here, but we'll, we'll come back into it. When a non-Christian thinks of a Christian, what's one of the first words that might come to mind for them? They might say... I find Christians self-righteous, okay? And self-righteousness is me saying, I am right, and, and you are wrong. I know better than you. I've made a judgment about you. And this label of self-righteousness is earned, okay? Because often as Christians, we look at the world and we say, well, I've got it together, uh, you don't. 
I'm here to help you because I'm a nice guy, um, but really you need to get your life together and look at me, I've got it together. So there's a self-righteous label. The problem is we do not name our own brokenness. When I talked before about our heart being broken and all of that stuff going on, that is as true for Christians as it is for non-Christians. Nobody escapes that. But as Christians, we don't often name our brokenness. And so we don't um, say to the world what is true for every single one of us. I am an angry murderer in the language of Jesus. Okay? I'm an angry murderer. Now, nothing will fill that inner emptiness. Nothing is going to soothe that pain. Nothing is going to heal that broken heart, heal that broken heart, and make them whole, except the presence of the delight and love of God. Okay? To meet him in those dark places in our hearts, fill it with his light, and hear him say to us, to me, as much as to you, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, whom I love so deeply, and in whom I am so well pleased. Let me say that again. This is God saying to us, you are my beloved son and daughter, whom I love so deeply, and with whom I am well pleased. Nothing will matter more than his delight in me and his heart towards me. Everything else just fades away. You heard me last year, not Brandon, he was away, but he might have listened to it online, uh, talking about uh, the story of my mother and I, um, and how God met me in that broken place in my heart, which was filled with anger towards my mum. And so, in, in bringing God into that place, he just dissolved uh, all of that stuff that was there that caused me to need to be at war with her. Um, and so, that's why I get so passionate about this, about bringing Jesus into our brokenness, because it, it totally transformed the relationship between me and my mother. So name the conflict between you and your spouse, your kids, your neighbours, your work people, your... It's usually family that wind us up so much. Um, let, me, let me read from James chapter 4, verses 1 uh, to 12. You got that, Calvin, or do I do it from here? Okay. What is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? You long for something you don't have, so you commit murder. You are jealous for something you can't get, so you struggle and fight. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't have because you ask with evil intentions to waste it on your own cravings. You unfaithful people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you suppose that scripture is meaningless? Doesn't God long for our faithfulness and the life he has given to us? But he gives us more grace. This is why it says, God stands against the proud, but favours the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cry out in sorrow, mourn and weep. Let your laughter become mourning and your joy become sadness. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, don't say evil things about each other. 
Whoever insults or criticizes a brother or sister insults and criticizes the law. If you find fault with the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge over it. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, and he is able to save and destroy. But you who judge your neighbor, who are you? Okay. So, the key today, own your brokenness. It's yours, it's not anybody else's, it's not the person who hurt you, the person who's done terrible stuff to you, it's your brokenness. If you can't accept your own brokenness, you have nothing to offer to the broken, apart from your self-righteousness. And broken people will detect this on you. They will smell it on you. They, they will have this aroma that goes, you have nothing to offer me except a bunch of rules and a bunch of judgment. Why do I want your God? So in those places where that anger and murder and pain resides, say to God, I'm a mess. When I tend to say that word, it sounds like M-I-S-S. I just have to check with Debbie that it came across it. So in that place, say, I am a mess. Confess it to God. Okay? Invite him into it. And like the story of the prodigal son, when he returns to his father's house, God will run to you and embrace you and celebrate your return to him. So learn to accept his grace. Okay? What is his grace? His grace is... The his forgiveness of our sin, even when we don't deserve it. Okay? So, learn to accept that grace. Learn to say, God, I'm willing to accept being forgiven by you, even though I don't deserve it. Let his face shine on you. Okay? Feel his loving heart towards you and hear him saying, You are my beloved. So you hold the duality of, on one hand, I am an angry murderer. On the other hand, I am a child of God, and he has shown his face to me. So it's not about this line in the sand anymore. It's about saying, I have both in me, and I need God just to work out the, 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 um, the sinful parts. Right, a little ahead of time today, but that's okay. Um, as we come into communion... Okay, communion is a very symbolic thing that we do. And so what I invite you to do, of course there's no obligation here, just an invitation, allow the symbolism of what we're about to do help you as you think through this. So maybe, before you come up, um, just sit there and spend a moment with God and talk to Him about anything that might have just had popped up through what I've been talking about today. Um, and just sit there and just confess it to him quietly in your heart. Say, Jesus, this is messy. I don't think this is right. I need to do something better. Please forgive me. Okay? Please forgive me. So you confess it and ask him to forgive us. We know from 1 John 1 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? And then after you've had that moment, just come forward and take the bread. Jesus' body, which is broken for us, broken for our brokenness, broken for our pain and sin. And then take his cup. 
was we do intention, symbolizing his blood and his forgiveness and cleansing of our sin. And hear and say to you, my beloved child, I love you, I'm so pleased with you. Okay.